0: Who is Jesus? What is He doing? And what does it mean to follow Him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is The Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Follower Podcast. Uh, We're in the series called Saturate. If you're just joining us, we've had uh, different people speaking into different spheres of society. And if that's a new idea to you, just very simply what it means is that uh, the church is made up of all kinds of people. There are no professionals. There are only followers of Jesus. And Jesus calls all people in all places at all times to follow him and look like him in the world. And so what we're really asking the question is, uh, what does it mean for us to serve God, to follow Jesus in the spheres where he's placed us, whether that's in the sphere of business or education or media and communication or the arts or the church sphere. And each one of those spheres is very valid. And as God starts to bring those spheres together, that's how he starts to impact uh, the world. And to, you know, when we pray, your kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in ha- heaven. We become the answer to that prayer as we walk out our faith in the different spheres where he has us. And so today we have a friend of mine, Jono McCreary on. Uh, did I say that right? Jono McCreary. Yes, nailed it. Nailed it. And... Uh, <laughs> Jonathan's going to be speaking to us today about his experience and passion for the sphere of family. Um, and Jonathan actually is a great guy to be speaking into this because he serves on the leadership team of Live Village. Uh, if you don't know what Live Village is, we'll hear more about that as we talk. But Jonathan, just welcome, uh, welcome to the follow-up podcast.
1: Thank you, Matt. It's great to be with you and uh, hello to all of the listeners.
0: Yeah, man. And good to have you with us, bro. And I'm excited for our conversation today. Um, Thanks, man. I thought just to jump in, let's, let's get to know you a little bit. I don't know you that well. I actually got connected to you through a friend, but we've been talking a little bit and it's been good to get to know you. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you came from, how you grew up and, and kind of where this passion for family started to be built in you.
1: Sure, thanks Matt so um i was actually not brought uh, born or brought up in south africa i'm from a, a place called liverpool i'm sure many people will have heard of it either because of the beatles or because of the famous soccer teams Um but i got brought up in a in a really amazing family in liverpool and liverpool as a place uh, is really uh, family is the fabric of the society it's it's really um, about um, how do you live in community? What does it look like to support one another? Because it's been through many, many tough times as a city. Um, and so I was really privileged um, as I grew up with my mom and my dad and my two sisters, Laura and Beth, and um, amazing family, loads of love at home. And we we had a really great time in, in terms of our upbringing. And we used to go on family holidays and um, we used to sit around the table and talk uh, and And have fun together, as well as obviously talk about you know the more serious things in life um and really as i as I grew up, I just recognized the importance of unity i guess i would I would phrase it like that um, and and seeing the need to to try and be one as much as possible and so as I grew up um although I grew up in in the church as i as I knew it um we uh, we kind of moved around a little bit and um, ended up um, uh, when I was 18, I moved out of home to go to, to, go to university. And when I went to university, um, I really experienced, I guess, what it would kind of be loneliness for the first time, being away from family, away from everything that kind of secured me and uh, everything that I knew. Um, and in that time, I really chose to kind of wander and do my own thing. But after a little while, I, I realized that I think the church or at least the context of church was the only place I really felt a part of something greater than myself that resembled family and so I started to go back there and in going back to to a church a church called All Saints in a city called Worcester um, I'd probably been there for about four or five weeks I went to the evening gathering and uh, as yeah as the evening gathering would draw to a close uh, and the time for tea and coffee would come i'd run out the back door because i didn't want to face anybody i was kind of looking for god but i didn't really know what to do and then i think on the fifth week um, a little man sat in front of me and right at the end of the gathering before i could run away he turned around to me and he looked me in the eyes and he said hey i've noticed you and i noticed that you leave early every week but i want to get to know you and i want to meet you for a coffee i want you to share with me your story and um, And I honestly thought this was the weirdest man I've ever met in my life. I thought, who says that? Anyway, um, that was 10 years ago. And he's still my mentor today. His name is Paul Wilcox. And he has taught me so much about family, about the body of Christ and what it means to invest into individuals like they're part of your own family, because that's what he's done to me and he's done for me. Um, And then when he kind of got hold of me, Uh, I was also introduced to a couple called John and Wendy Taylor. Now, they were our our life group leaders, and they welcomed me in as if I was a son in their own house, as if my surname was Taylor. And I could not believe just the love that I was receiving from this amazing couple. And I was in their life group for probably about five years. um, and, And they just, I was a son in their house, whether it was getting food from the fridge or whether it was receiving prayer advice and um, I could go to them at any point. And so I just kind of had this amazing opportunity that father just saw. He wanted to bring these people around me to teach me something um, about what it means to be family biologically, but also family within the church. And um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, but yeah, we can, we can continue to chat on the way.
0: And I I love when you share your, your story, John how you can just see um, family kind of all the way through that story. You know? You're know, being brought up in your own family, a place where you were celebrated and you had the, this ability to grow into yourself. And then different elements of that church family really being a part of your story and kind of building you up into the person that you are today. And when you were writing about that story, one of the things you said I loved was that family is given and then it's discovered. I love that phrase. And I just wondered if you could maybe unpack that a little bit in terms of what you think family is. Sure.
1: So, um, I think one of the things that I've realized is that um, a couple of years ago, I went for a run on a Saturday morning and I went for a run just off the village. And I remember getting to like the, the, the top point of like, a, it felt like a mountain, but it was actually a small hill. I just wasn't very fit. Um, and I got to the top of the hill and I looked onto the village, and obviously for those of you who don't know what LIVE is, it's a, it's a home for vulnerable and orphaned children, and there is no shortage of opportunity to invest into people's lives here at LIVE. And so I'm stood on the top of this hill, um, out of breath and sweating, and I'm looking across the village. And to my shame, uh, the thought came through my head um, I really wanna do some ministry today. I just wanna get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. And then my mind went to say, but all I've got to do is stay at home with my kids. And in that moment, father whispered to me and he said, But I but the command is to seek first the kingdom. And if you don't understand that family is a part of the kingdom, then you're gonna you're gonna miss so much of what I have for you. Wow. So I just spent some time just thinking. Father, please forgive me for having that mentality that actually ministry was to happen outside of the home. I mean, I know we all talk about mission starts at home and family first and all of that kind of stuff. And I agreed with it. I just don't think it ever really sat here, you know, like it hadn't become a substance for me. And so from that moment, I really kind of took it seriously to actually start to say, well, I believe that family is a part of the kingdom. And so I just started to really think about what does it really mean for me to invest into my kids and to understand that my kids invest into me as well as investing into my wife and my wife invest into me. And I realized this thing of um, family is given and then it's discovered. Um, and it was partly through the words of Jesus in John 17 when he says, those who you gave to me, I did not lose one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not his biological family. And um, they were ones, they were his disciples who had been given to him, entrusted to him by father. And so I kind of developed this understanding that my my wife, Karita, and my three children, uh, Noah and Jessica and Ezra, they are given to me and I am given to them. And there is a sense in which you, you can't you can't choose that. It's, it's, it's ordained by Father, and we want to embrace that. But then then what? was my question so I recognize that they've been given to me but now what like there's no there's no book about my children there's no conclusions about my family there's no yeah. um there's no end result it's just what's the next step father how do we walk together with you yeah. and that's why I got this thing of it's it's given and then it's discovered because there's no formula for it um it's really just and um, who am I, and how do I, uh, how do I learn to receive from Father, and what I receive from Father, how do I help that become a part of other people's lives, starting with my wife and, and my three kids, and so, so um, yeah. So I hope that kind of makes sense. That's where the um, family is is given, and then it's discovered where that kind of started in its thinking.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think why that is so profound for me is because I think um, you know ministry has unfortunately very often been hijacked by the same kind of ideologies and values that inform productivity and ego and creating. And so then the only thing sometimes in that lens that matters is the big thing. Like how full was the stadium? How many people pitched up to the event? How how many people got baptized? What books did you write or sell? And I think what's a problem with viewing it like that is that Jesus is quite clear that the kingdom of God is the seed. It's the small thing you know, that's mm-hmm. planted in the midst of your everyday life, like the miracle and the mundane, you know. And yeah, it's yeah. it's not to discredit the big event or the book or any of that kind of stuff. That It's all wonderful. But it's to say that, that we have these broken notions of ideas of big and small, meaningful and not meaningful, mm-hmm. important and not important. Yep. And so yeah. I can just imagine there are people listening to you right now and maybe they've been asking the question for some time like, Father, where where can I serve you? Where can I get involved? How can I how can I be your hands and feet in the world? And maybe because of what they've been thinking is important, they've been overlooking that one obvious place, which is their family. You know, to be mm. a husband, to be a mother, to be a father, to to be a wife, to be in that place, and and not to say that all the other stuff won't come, but to say that the seed of the other things is born and buried in the midst of the simple thing. You know.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and I think you know if I'm if I'm being completely transparent and honest, the biggest problem that I have is that I wasn't humble enough to accept that that was what I was first given. Yes, you yes. know I think we've we we do in some elements have an element like a, a pop culture of our Christianity, like as you say, how many invitations do I get to be able to speak at an event, or as you say, how many people got saved and. Even like we have a language like, oh, that was a massive miracle. But like, is a miracle not a miracle? You know, is it? Does it matter? Do we have to quantify it, big or small? And um, which I know is exactly the point that you're getting at. And I think if there's if there's one thing that I really hope that I would continue to um, uh, allow myself to to try and become is just is to have the humility to only try and walk with truly what he's given me and not what my arrogance or my pride would want to go chase after. And, mm. um, you know, you know, we prayed it. you prayed it just before we started this podcast, whether it's five or 5,000, it's your will. Mm. And I think part of my journey, especially with family and this, this humbling um, space has, has really come from Like if I said that my life is not my own and it was bought with a cost and and I've given it away, how much of that stuff am I trying to take back and and get my own fruit so that I can prove myself to the world? Because that's really what it's about, isn't it? Like what can you prove? What have you done? Who are you? Um, And all the while the kingdom's kind of like calling us poor in spirit, crouch and beg in your inner man, like literally translated – Crouch and beg, and then you get the kingdom. And that's why I love it because you say it's about the seed of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't really quantify those things,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. And they're they're abundant, but yet they're also, it starts in small form. And so, yeah, just really wanting to see these things getting worked out with men and women and children owning family, you know, and saying that we recognize that we are a gift to one another and um, is a real passion that I've got.
0: Amazing. man! Yeah. And uh, then after you had this experience on your run, later on, you had this other, what you would describe as a vision or a picture that was given to you by God around family, which is now sort of sure. giving you even this fresh passion, like a new zeal around the centre of cool. Would you just unpack that picture for us a bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, I'm, we were in England last year, and we were due to go to a few different places and, and speak. We were traveling on behalf of the village to go connect with our partners and stuff. And um, also an amazing family who I've learned about family from so much is a family who live in Watford, just outside London, called the Strevens family. And then um, I was just praying one day in, in their house. I actually wasn't necessarily praying about family or about the church. And um, I was just in his presence, just being with him, just choosing to abide and, and enjoy that space. And um, only a two or three second vision. It wasn't. It wasn't long at all, Matt. It was, but it was. It was very clear. And um, I essentially saw a volcano, um, and the volcano had been awakened, and the the lava was starting to come up out of the top and spill over the sides. But there was there was like a, a city or a town camped at the bottom of it, and as this lava flowed down the sides of this of this volcano. It burnt away all of the houses um, and and laid a new foundation of, on of the of the volcano. And as I started to inquire, Father, what, what is it? What is it that you're showing me? And um, I felt him essentially say that the lava that is uh, the lava that is flowing out is actually it's a it's a regeneration, reformation of the church. It's the people of God who have been hidden away. And are going to have an overflow, and outflow down the side of this, down the side of this volcano, down the side of the mountain. But as all of the all of the buildings burned away, and it turned into uh, the scripture describes it as dross. I think I don't know how you pronounce it, whether it's dross or dross or dross, whatever yeah. it is. But it, essentially, it just all burnt away. And just this thing of a of, of, of father actually just saying that um, I'm awakening the sleeping giants and there's going to be this, this flow out of normal people who are going to relay uh, the deception that we've learned to live in. That's all going to get burnt away. And, and the, the people of God are going as a family, the family of God are going to relay this, this new foundation and this new layer for which society will be built upon again. And he said, he said very, very clear to me, He said, "This will be the age of family. My plan is to go. My redemptive plan is to go beyond the individual and to restore family, leading to a nation." Come on. And as I've just been, as I've just been, I mean, I was over, overcome with it. I was just, I didn't know what to do with myself because um, I think many of us have felt a staring of the church is made for more than this. You know, we, we surely it's not just about the Sunday to Sunday and life group on Tuesday, though those things. Are wonderful and I believe that God blesses them and um, that there has to be more and so I just really had this sense that the resource and the nutrients of which society will will become will be from family which the church is actually supposed to model first and so yeah I mean I look at it now and I just think this is you know it's really really amazing what what it what it is that that I believe father is wanting to do but I believe that he wants to First, obviously allow us as individuals to be rebuilt because here's the thing that I've realized, I can only share what I carry. So as a dad, um, like if, if, if I'm at unrest and I don't have peace, uh, if, if I'm not in, in good standing with father, that's the only thing I'm going to be sharing with my kids.
0: Yeah,
1: That's the only thing I'm going to be, if I am, but if I'm full of faith and if, or if I'm full of questions, but still wanting to exercise faith, And I invite others into that space, then we have a walk of integrity and humility with one another that creates a much greater currency that is outside of performance or feeling like we have to achieve something together. But it's actually about just being committed to one another in the moment that we're in, committed to Father and and, and, and knowing that His plans to see Christ formed in us is actually the the goal of what we all want to see, corporate maturity. So, yeah, I just... I think there's there's just so much that we kind of that we can we can discover uh, in this space that um I don't know much what it was like for you necessarily growing up, and again, my family were amazing. I had an amazing upbringing, but one of the things that as I look back, I think if I could build on what my family uh, has taught me is how do we exercise faith around tables yeah. you know when you sit together having an evening meal. What does it look like to commit to one another and commit things to father in faith and to just say, God, what is it you're wanting to do? Uh, You know, I can just imagine in five years time, maybe one of my children are having a rough time in school and they're not getting on well with somebody like, would we have the humility as a family to gather around the table and to pray with one another, to pray with that one child and say, let's trust father for breakthrough. We're not going to move until we see those things. So that corporately faith is built because I mean, even just thinking our father, it's not an individual prayer. It should be a corporate prayer that we're exercising together. And so I just really sense that there's this invitation. You can see I get very excited about this Oh, it's good stuff, stuff,
0: man, keep Um, going.
1: You know, that we have this invitation to bring what we're completely unable to do into his hands, but do it together and not do it as individuals who are isolated, who feel like we're on our own mission to achieve our own ministry and our own things, but to rather say, you know what, if the best that I've been given is for us to be in this together, that's actually better than going
0: alone. Absolutely, yeah. And what, and what God can build through us is always going to be more than what God will build through me. And, and also, yeah. you know, when you, when you read the Bible, I think one of the big challenges is that we read the Bible in an individualistic context but the Bible's Mm. written in a collectivistic society. So most of what the Bible's written about to, for trying to achieve the end of scripture is it looks like a community. Jesus is always building a family or a body or an army or a building. All the images are collective. Mm. And so, so often we interpret things that are actually for us, for me, and then we lose the power of those things, you know, because really what the spirit's trying to do is bring us together. And then in our collectiveness, produce something through us. And that's where Jesus is glorified, yeah.
1: That's it, that's it. And I mean, that's why I love just the, just, you know, in, in Corinthians, when Paul just talks about the body, because does I think we all recognize that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. But does it have the humility? And that's what family does. It humbles us because who who I am, if I'm sharing on a Sunday morning, is is the same, you know? I, I'm the same person who's at home with my son or my daughter, rolling around on the carpet, or or either doing and affirming the things that I'm saying publicly, or you know, showing a lack of integrity. But family is humbling because you can't just perform once a week. Exactly. You, know, you have yeah. to. You're in it all the time, and and so just looking at this this face of saying, well. I, I then need to see, like, I need my son to hold me accountable, even though he has no idea. He's four years old. He has no idea. Like, I've just realized in the last, in the last week, and just having a few, we, we have a discipleship school here on the village called Live for Change, and just chatting with some of the students about what really is honor, and then Going home and recognizing a lack of integrity and honor in my own house because of the way that I'm either speaking to or trying to guide or not guide my son or my daughter, um, because Noah's four and Jessica's two, she's going to be turning three later this year. Trying to teach them honor has a voice in our house, but then recognizing that dad wasn't modeling honor, and so now having to humble myself and to say, oh man, I've completely got this wrong. It wasn't that the principle when I was teaching was wrong, but the practice, the presence, the substance of what it had become in my life, he wasn't able to receive. And so now saying, okay, if I'm prepared to, to humble myself and recognize that he's a gift to me as much as I'm a gift to him, then actually we're in this beautiful space of we all need each other. Mm-hmm. And anything, any, I think any other expression, it speaks about pride. It speaks about arrogance. It speaks about self. You know, my empire, or you know, all all of that, all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I'm really I love this picture of living stones being built. But we have to rub up against one another. The body, everybody recognizes our need of each other, and where one is celebrated, all are celebrated. You know, where one is suffering, all are suffering. And in family, that thing is so real.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think I want to press into something there because I can imagine there's a, there's a mom, there's a dad watching this now, you know, and they're going, sure, that, that's so great, Jono. I agree with all of that, that like that <laughs> sounds really, really good. But the truth is like it's hard. It's so, so difficult, you know. Um, and, and that is the truth that so many of the realities of the kingdom are difficult when applied in real life. But one of the things you wrote, in the, and, and I love this, is that when you talk about your own relationship with Jesus and how you're walking this out, one of the things you say is that you want to develop a faithful heart like his, that you don't have the ability to grow it, and that's why your friendship with Jesus is a friendship of dependence. You know, And I just I felt like there was such a good linking thought here because I don't think that this is something we do alone. I think this idea of being people who enter into that sphere of family with a view of the kingdom, man, to develop a faithful heart like his must and can only happen in this relationship of deep dependence, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, just listening to the conversation that you had with Trevor Hudson, Matt, on, on when you guys were speaking about the sphere of church, he, he used a word that the Father has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks as well about seek and seeking and learning to, to, to do that together um, and, to, and to recognize that this, the, the walking out of relationship with Jesus is there's an invitation to follow. There's an invitation to seek. And although I believe that they're like they're deeply interlinked following does often often look quite different to seeking and I think we've developed some level of following but I don't know if we really know how to seek him and that, that was a question that I've had for myself I mean others maybe maybe in a bit of a, a, a bit of a different space and um, but yeah I just I think in terms of developing and growing a relationship with Jesus or uh, not that I have an ability to do it. I think that's even the deception of some of the language that I've created is like, what, what do I bring? I reckon I could not bring anything. I could bring what he first gave me, which was faith to say, I believe that you are Christ, you, 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 know, you, are, you are the one, you are the Messiah, you are the one who takes away sin, you are the one who, ra- who is raised again after three days, you are the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave me that gift, I couldn't make it happen myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just amazing for me how quickly my recognition of my nothingness became about my somethingness that I thought that I had to bring. But Psalm 86 really helped me learn how to pray, Matt, is when he says, The the psalmist says that, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. it goes on later on to say, show me signs of your goodness on the way. And I think that's where the the faith increases to just continue to walk in dependence in him. Is that, you know, if if we're really honest about what it is that he's done in our lives, most of the time... It's, it's been an absolute free gift of grace that we've had to work nothing for. Most of the time, we don't even recognize it's what he's doing, but he does it anyway. Mm. And then we kind of look back six months, late, uh, six months ago and we think, goodness me, I can't believe I was there. How am I now here? But what have I done? I've done nothing. All I've done is try to learn to seek him, mm. you know, because what I seek, what I worship is what i become more like. And I think that's just the space that, and um, I, I, my desire for my relationship with Jesus, my following of Jesus, my obedience to him would just look like leaning into absolutely his capacity and his ability, because I'm just realizing more and more, I don't have one. I don't have an ability and I don't have a capacity. And what I think I did was definitely dead works and pride.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So good. And so now you, you, you're kind of walking this out and God's speaking to you about this family thing, showing you everything and this dependence that even makes that possible. Love that. Yeah. And, I, and I do, I just want to say this, what really resonates with me is that um, when we get a vision for what God wants to do with our lives in terms of who we become as people, it is so enormous that if you take it seriously, it immediately leads to humility. Because you yeah. immediately start to understand how impossible that is for you in your own yeah. uh, in your own strengths, and so mm. to hold on to a god vision for your life immediately leads you to dependence because it goes beyond what you could possibly achieve in your own ability yeah. it's just not yeah. it's just not possible we just like we just don't have it you know
1: sure yeah sure
0: and then yeah. uh, you you start to talk about how um now in the midst of COVID, so th- that's really kind of. I guess that's what sparked this whole Saturate series is I started to look around at the world and I started to think to myself, you know, what COVID has done, COVID-19, the Corona experience, what this has done is it's not that it's broken things. It's revealing how much things are broken. That's Mm. what it's doing. It's pulling back the veil and saying so much of the stuff you had your confidence in, what this is showing you is that that was sand. You were building your life on sand. And now there's this opportunity for us to rebuild on the rock. I really believe that. And I think there's going to be two streams of response sort of in the wake of COVID. And I was having this conversation with Trevor, is that some of us may gravitate toward uh, pragmatism, toward what's easy, toward what we had before in some senses. And there will probably be people who do that. But there are people who will take the opportunity to step in a new direction, which is led of God, into something fresh and different, to to Mm. rebuild, if you will, in the wake of corona, and not to rebuild on the blueprint of what wasn't working, but to step into something that is working. And I was just wondering, in your life, so you are not only in your own family in terms of your wife and your children, but in your role at Live and creating family there, what is this moment in history teaching you both on a personal level and in your vocational sense in terms of the ministry of family? Woo, Matt!
1: what a question oh and okay so I don't know whether it's necessarily conclusive um but one of the things that I've I've definitely realized is that whatever is going on personally is also there for the ministry and yeah. whatever's going on in the ministry is also there for the person and um, so I kind of and um, Because we live on sites, you know, it's all—it's our life. You know, we've—we've we've committed our lives to whatever this thing is—is going to be. Uh, so, so the scripture that Father gave me, thinking about how do we how do we now walk in faith? Because one of my questions that I've—I've I've had is—is um, is that if we—if what we thought was walking by faith was actually by sight, would He blind us? like he did to Saul Man, in great. order so that yeah. we could learn to walk by faith? And I so think good. the answer is yes. Um, and I think as I've been thinking about this um, and <laughs> say that again,
0: is, sorry, that's so good. That's just like resting on me right now. That thought, like if we, what, what we thought was faith was actually sight, would he blind us Yes. in, in order to lead us to a greater faith? Really? Yes. Man.
1: That's yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. And um, because, Even like, trust in Lord your God with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. And we know it. I mean, we know, we, we recite it off by heart, but what does it really mean to acknowledge him in all of our ways? If we don't have sight of all of our ways, then how do we really do it? Apart from inviting him to show us, search me and know me. And mm-hmm. um, I love that in Psalm 139, you know, David starts off. Search me, you know, search me and know me, and then he ends off again after he's listed all of this awesome stuff, and then he says again, right at the end, Search me and know me, like there's a pattern to it, there's no end to it, it just continues. So, um I've forgotten the question that you. Had. Oh, that was it. Sorry, I, I'm yet so carried away. Thanks, oh, so man, good,
0: man. It's so, so good, man!
1: So good, So the scripture that he's given was I've just been reading through Matthew sixteen and seventeen, specifically on the Mount of Transfiguration. But if you if you look at what happens, so say Jesus having a conversation with the disciples. Who do people say I am? They respond, and then he says, "Well, who do you say I am?" And Peter says, you, "You're the Christ. You're the Son of the Living God." Uh, and he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but but your fa- but your my Father in heaven. And, and then he goes on to say, and, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he, Jesus makes a statement, I will build my church. And then if you carry on reading, it goes through, and Jesus talks about the cost of being the disciple. You know, whoever tries to gain their life will lose it. If you lose your life, you'll gain it and then he takes the three. So he talks about the, the identity, then he, and he will build his church. Then he talks about the cost of discipleship. Then he goes onto the Mount of Transfiguration with the three, and, and he transforms. Something incredible happens before the disciples' eyes, and they say, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let me build something. And then Father speaks, in other words, they're not supposed to build anything. There's a transformative moment, but don't try and put something on it that is going to contain this thing. It's not supposed to be contained right now. Yeah. Um, and and then they fall flat on their faces because the father says, this is my son whom I love. And listen to him. You know, he's got authority. And then he says to them, get up, let's go. Don't be afraid. Yeah. And just this space of saying, like, would we have the humility to allow the transformation to just continue and not feel like we've got to say right now let's package that and make it this and make it that and so in my own life um just look so what what is church life going to be now you know we can't gather corporately um but we can gather in family
0: mm-hmm. come on you know
1: we do have our family so what does it look like for transfiguration transformation to happen in our own families and then to not be like, right, okay, let's box that and that's the only thing that it can ever be and that's what we just need to stick to because now we'll feel comfortable with that and it means that we can say it's good to be here, you know, all of those things. So um, I'm, I'm ready for a river, I think, not necessarily a building, I think, yes. um, because it just seems like anything we do put our hands to leaves our fingerprints.
0: Yeah,
1: but if he's the master builder, and if we allow him to build us, it'll be his fingerprints, his stu- his substance, his will. And I think then we'll have learned to walk by faith. So we'll just have sight of what he's doing, and we'll learn to bless it. Come on, come on. And um, that's that's where I'm currently at, Matt. I, it it may change, you know, in a in a, in in a, in a while, but I think. And um, I'm just very conscious not to put my hands on stuff, but rather to just say, just give me, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to perceive what it is that you're doing. So I can join in, mm. um, in whatever the rebuilding process looks like. And, um, and if that doesn't look like my comfort, give me the humility to respond. Yeah. And, and if it does look like something that I'm I'm comfortable with or I'm, Or, you know, I can bring my gifting to keep me humble enough to just follow you, you know? Um, So I I, I really don't know um, exactly what things are going to look like. Um, And I'm okay with that. Um, You know, Trevor was kind of talking about, wasn't he, Um, the formation of people. And I really believe that we're in a, a, a reforming season of the church, of the bride. And I think... In order to to really allow Father to do what it is that He wants to do, we've got to have our hands off the potter's wheel, you know, Um, which is difficult because we want to take control and we want to be able to feel comfortable and we want to be able to say, look what I did, you know. Um, And I just believe that, especially with this thing of family now, as you said, so much is going to have been revealed, but we'll have no better opportunity. Then to disciple our kids, you know, church churches and children's ministries have been giving us get out of jail free cards for years because we wow. can rely on somebody else Sunday to Sunday. This is forcing us, as you said, to to see maybe I do have a crack in my family. Like I'm sharing this with you, there are so many cracks, brother. I don't know how. I don't know which one he wants to deal with first, but it's up to him. Mm. It's not, they're not all my cracks to fix. You know, they are me to say, what are you doing? How do we respond? And how do we do it as a family? Um, Because the McCreary family, we're definitely not perfect. And we're discovering. But I think that's where the joy lies. You know, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Come on. So good. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think that's what he's doing. He's inviting us back to journey. And not to just say, look at this and look at this and look at this. Fantastic! It's like, would we follow for 40 years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you good. Know? you know what the picture I get as you're talking, Jono, is um, it's almost like in our faith and as the church in a way, we had set up camp. So we, so we had this island. We set up camp. We had, uh, we, we, over time, we had developed shops and roads and systems and ways of doing things. And everything was very comfortable and predictable. Um, and then it was like this massive flood came and washed all that away and washed us with it. And so we were like floating in the water. The camp was gone and we were floating in the water. And I think part of the subtle expectation is at some point, the water's going to subside. We'll find ourselves on an island and then we can set up another kind of camp again. But what I hear you saying is saying, what if, the, what if the next thing is not another camp? What if the next thing is to learn to swim? Because what happens if the water never subsides? What happens if the river just keeps flowing? And if, what if that is the future? Like just learning, so resisting the temptation to set up a camp so we can control things. And instead, not waiting for that moment to happen, instead, just learning to swim in the river as it's flowing now. You know?
1: That's it. Yeah. Because one day we might get back on land and then at least we can walk and we can swim.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think, Matt, that's really part of what I've seen with this vision of the volcano. Yeah. is that this deceptive society that we've learned to live in. I'm not saying that all of it's bad. Obviously, there's so many great things. Um, but if all of that was taken away, which is kind of what we're looking at now, majority of things that, have been really comfortable for us. The things that we've built, um, they're now taken away, but would we, would we now become the resource? Would we become the thing that actually is the, is the nutrition and, the, and the, uh, the thing that the ground really needs for good, healthy growth um, as much as it might do building? and I think that's the tension, isn't it? It's like, what is needing to grow naturally And what is it that he's going to ask us to partner with him in? That's going to be the ultimate question, I think.
0: And John, I want to land it here now. Um, So uh, someone's watching this. Some people are watching this. And uh, I'm always conscious that there's so many different people who may eventually watch our conversation. And we've spoken about a lot of beautiful things. I mean, I just want to go run around my little garden right now. It's like good stuff. (laughs) Uh, but, But how does this land for the mom, the dad at home? Uh, you know, when they finish watching this channel, uh, this video, they got to go back. They got to feed their kids. They got to. They got to do homework. They got to be a teacher now, and a mom, and a dad, and a wife, and a yeah. husband, and somehow stay swimming in the river, and somehow see their family as a place of yeah. ministry and mission. Uh, how, give the, Give us maybe something really practical that they could start with. You know, one of the things I think about. You said something about. Uh, don't be afraid to rethink your rhythms, you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of thing. Give us just a few handles that could start leading us in this direction. Sure.
1: I think the first thing that I want to do in this time in my own life is to ask him to give me the humility to see that I might not have been doing it his way. Cause if I can't go from that foundation, I don't think I have much of a foundation at all, but then to pray, and to ask, how do you see family in this home, and ultimately invite him to be father of the house. Now, I had this, I won't really go into it in too much depth, but I had this moment, like like I told you, Noah is four. and um, We just had this moment with him the other day where it it was quite difficult. It was really his will against my will, and um, he wanted to leave the house. He's four years old. Um, and father said, you know, um, the village is a safe place before uh, listeners get it uh, uh, <laughs> in the wrong context. Um, but father said, release him. And I told my wife, father said, we need to let him go. And she said, no. <laughs> and I said, I think we have to. But that then turned into a moment where and it's totally against everything i'm about because i want him to just learn to listen to me you know and he must just understand in the moment that we're in so please just listen to me son like just get this i know better than you do but he went for a walk and i ended up kind of catching up with him a little uh, like after two or three minutes and um what i actually realized was he wanted the invitation for us to learn to walk together he wanted to Oh, I get emotional. Now. He he wanted me to be able to say to him, is it better if dad comes with you or do you want to go by yourself? And he said, I want Daddy to come with me. And I had this just this realization that it's like if the kids could own as much of this process as we do, then we'll be in a much better place. So, what does it look like to exercise faith with the kids like how do we ask them Um, you know we're wanting to give honor a voice in our house so we we have a language like honor says please can i honor asks please could you you know just trying to give a space where those things so there's a language to it there's something that the children can grab onto and start to develop understanding around Um, but really to just say can we can we have the humility to review everything, even if it's not comfortable for us, and then walk in obedience or faith of whatever we feel like Father might be asking each of us to do? Because he surprised me the other day, but I was so surprised. I thought, number one, he would say he'd stay at home with Dad, because I thought he knew what was good for him, but clearly he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but on the way, I was taught about Father's heart, wow. you know? And and what it means, the son wanted father to, to say, do you want me to walk with you? You know, sorry, father, son was waiting for me to say, do you want me to walk with you? And his answer was, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think the same understanding that we've developed in our identity of who God is as father in the church, I think over the last 10, 15 years, we've had significant revelation on the father's heart and what it means to be sons and daughters. If we can take those same things that we've, Learned, and let it become substance in our lives that our children learn it and we can walk it out together mm. i think we will be in a much much healthier position to yeah to to, to really with integrity say that he's building his church and he's growing his family you know wow. um it's so amazing. yeah i would pray and ask um and don't be afraid to review don't be afraid to do things differently and because let's be honest none of us have got it sorted you
0: know so the three things i'm hearing you say and that's so helpful is uh, have the humility to admit you could be wrong ask the father how to do it right and then make changes accordingly (laughs) really
1: you know what i wish i don't think like that but if i did i would have said it just like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i think i think you know because that is like any good theology when it lands practically sometimes it just is that simple. Like sometimes the seed of transformation is your heart ho- in your home. It's three simple mm. things that you could really do with, with intense intentionality and integrity and, and a sense of intensity even about it, like going, yeah. hey, we really want yeah. our home to look like the kingdom, you know? Mm.
1: Yeah. And can I just add there, I would add one more thing to make it for, mm. I would add consistency. Yeah. Because I think consistency is the most underrated thing in the kingdom yeah it's really good i think that we don't value consistency being able to continue to do the same things well is actually what creates culture right and i think that's what would be the the last thing i would end off we need to be people of consistency
0: fantastic jonah thank you so much for being on the follow-up podcast Thanks, bro. Such a privilege to learn to follow together, hey? Absolutely, man. And hopefully this won't be the last time. Let's chat about more things in the future.
1: <laughs> no, I'd love to. But I'm humbled by the request, Matt, and and it's been a real privilege to be able to, yeah, be able to chat and get to know you. And, and yeah, trust that it's a blessing to to all who listen.
0: Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who are listening, we're in the Saturate series. Um, I hope you've been enjoying it. And uh, if you want to get hold of us, uh, want to get hold of me, and talk to me about the things you're hearing on the follow-up podcast you can do that at mattlewis.co.ca but thanks for listening in and i really hope this was helpful to you thanks jonah we'll chat soon then Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, and just before you go, I wanted to ask you to do three things. Number one, go across to the YouTube channel Matt Lewis 516, subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the reason for that is that every single one of these audio sessions has a video session as well. So by subscribing and turning on notifications, you can stay up to date with all of those sessions. Number two, go to Instagram, Matt Lewis 516 and follow there. The reason for that is that we're putting out all kinds of different content in addition to the follower podcast that may also be helpful for you. And number three, go to mattlewis.co.za if you haven't already and sign up for the quarterly newsletter, the latest. Uh, This will give you information on everything I've been doing, uh, everything I will be doing and how you can get involved with that. It also with time will give you first dibs on events that we're organizing when we can start to meet together again. Um, And I'd love for you to be a part of that story. This is just my little way of making the first contact of the internet start to move toward actual connection and community, which is really my heart behind all of this. Because whatever it means for us to really follow Jesus in the world today, I really believe we're going to have to do that together. So do those three things, the Instagram, the YouTube, and the website, and that helps us move from contact to connection. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next session.